You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. Well, you don't get a scholarship to play for the University of Connecticut women's basketball team unless you're one of the best in the world. And Kia Nurse is certainly no exception. She is one of the most exciting young players to come out of Canada. Many Canadian basketball fans probably remember her from her exciting performance at the Pan Am Games in 2015. That's where she helped the team win gold over USA. And helped might be a bit of an understatement. Kia Nurse scored 33 points in that win. And now she's playing for the strongest women's program in NCAA basketball under legendary coach Gino Oriyama. At the time we're recording this, UConn is undefeated, ranked first in the country, and has won a historic 94 games in a row. Kia Nurse is in her third year on the team and has taken time out of her busy schedule to come chat with me on the podcast. Kia, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me. So uh, first, I know it's a, a cheesy question, but I just love a good origin story. Tell me about how you first started playing basketball. Uh, I first started when I was four, but it, it kind of came about as I was watching my sister when I was really little. Both my parents were actually coaching her, so technically me and my brother had to be in the gym with them when they were at practice, and I loved watching them go up and down, and my sister was really good, so I kind of just wanted to be her. And uh, now we're going to jump ahead a bit, but coming out of high school, you had about 50 different colleges wanting your services. How did you even begin to make that choice? Uh, It was a bit of a long process. What I was fortunate enough to have was my parents and my sister who had already gone through it in her recruiting process. So we kind of narrowed it down day by day, looked at every school and, you know, what they had to offer. And then once it got closer to the top 10, that's when we you know, made visits, um, had a lot more conversations with the coaches, um, inter, uh, mingled with the team, and then kind of made a decision from there. What were some of your uh, top choices? Uh, I made my three visits, my three official visits to um, Connecticut, Indiana, and Penn State. And why Connecticut? I just loved the atmosphere that was here and you know, the legacy that Connecticut has built over the last 30 years with Coach Ariyama and Coach Daly. And I knew that they had gotten the best potential out of a lot of really great players who had already come through here. So I thought, you know, with my dreams to be an Olympian and my dreams to win a national championship, this was the best place for me to do it. Well, uh, already both of those dreams accomplished. Tell me what it's <laughs> like uh, playing for Coach Ariyama. I mean, it's a lot of fun. I think... What he's really good at is finding little things to kind of nitpick on that are things that are going to make you that much better as a player. And he doesn't stop until you get it right. And as soon as you get it right, he finds something new. And that's what makes him so great. He's never going to let you settle to be average. And it's a method to his madness, and it's a little intense sometimes, but it's absolutely a blast to be part of. As you mentioned, his uh, practices are famous or maybe uh, infamous for being incredibly intense. Could you tell me a bit about what an average practice is like? Yeah, um, for us, basically, you know, we go into practice, we split up between our guards and our posts, and that's kind of our warm-up, essentially, after we stretch, and we get shots up, and then we go straight into practice, which is a lot of running. There's a lot of drills back-to-back-to-back, which are straight up-and-down drills, um, making sure that we do layups, and everything has to be in a row. 
So we're kind of striving for perfection in that sense, making sure that everybody's running the floor hard, every possession. What his practices essentially are made to do are make you as tired as possible and they make you come out of your comfort zone. And then at the end of practice, he throws in a drill that makes you really have to think. And that makes you mentally tough. So in any time of situation that you're in a game and you're absolutely dead, tired, we're not going to fold because we've already done this every single day in practice and we have the confidence to get through it. And at the time we're uh, recording this, it certainly seems that this is working out because your team has won 94 games in a row. Have you had much of a chance to think about that, or is it all focused on the next game? Um, It's a little bit of both. I mean, when it happened, essentially, when we broke the record um, with 91, it hadn't really hit me yet, and I don't know if it hit a lot of us, but now it's kind of thinking in a little bit more that, I mean, 91 games, that's a lot of games out of my college career. I think that there's two other ones. Um, So that's crazy, and something that, you're going to be in the history books forever for, which is uh, absolutely astonishing. But it's a lot of hard work. It's a, a lot of different players coming in. I got to do it with three different teams, and that was a lot of fun too. What does it mean for you to already uh, be in the history books there? Ooh, it's mind-blowing to me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that um, have happened over the course of my career so far that I've been absolutely just mind-blown by, and that's one of them. To think that one day when I'm – sitting down watching ESPN with maybe my kids or my grandkids and they talk about a streak that somebody else is on the fact that our team is going to be up there with that is absolutely crazy um do you have a highlight of your college career so far I know you're not done it yet but Mm, I don't know if there's one highlight I mean the first national championship probably would have been the biggest one so far even though the second one was a really big one too um but just because it was the first one, so everything was new. You know, we walked into this enormous stadium, and it's filled with 25,000 people there to watch your game. And it was just an, an absolutely amazing atmosphere to be a part of. And the Final Four itself, just being there, being at the banquets, seeing all the conventions that were going on, and how big of an impact women's basketball has um, was amazing. Obviously, you probably thought about that uh, moment lots growing up. Did it exceed expectations, or...? Oh, it absolutely exceeded expectations. Um, Growing up, what was really interesting about my journey was that I always kind of thought I'd be able to go to a team in the States that would go to the NCAA tournament, but I didn't think they would push like a national championship. I thought there was a a possibility, but I was more focused on just getting there and being able to say that I played in a March Madness. And once UConn and a couple other bigger schools who had kind of contended for national championships years after years had started coming into the recruiting process, it kind of was like, are you sure? Is this the right person that you're calling? And uh, once I got here, I was really fortunate to at least get two of them so far, and they've just been highlights. Yeah, that must have been something to have uh, UConn knocking at your door wanting wanting them to play, wanting you to play for them. It was a little strange. I'm not, <laughs> not going to lie, it was strange. Um, but it was a great, great recruiting process with them. Now, uh, it, it probably shouldn't be a surprise to too many people that you're uh, as athletically inclined as you are because your family is obviously quite athletically inclined. Your older sister played basketball for Oregon. Your brother plays in the NHL. And I know even your uncle's a former NFL quarterback. What's it like being in a family of uh, a lot of incredible athletes? It's a lot of fun. 
growing up, there's a lot of competition. It's overly competitive in every single thing we do. It <laughs> doesn't even have to be about sports anymore, which is dinner table conversations are always interesting. But it's definitely been something that's helped me be who become who I am. I've had my brother who I got to look up to and be right beside throughout his entire career because we're only a year apart. And then I had my sister who inspired me to do it. And both my parents who were athletes understood what it took to, to be one, but they under, also understood that we had to have priorities. So school always came first. And they always reminded me that no matter what, then your last name is nurse. You're supposed to be an athlete and you are your siblings have generally done well for themselves but it's not enough you always have to work harder and keep that level of intensity so that you can remain one step ahead of all your competition i'm sure there's probably uh, more than one intense games of one-on-one okay yeah <laughs> two-on-two actually is what okay our goes to. okay yeah. so what would the teams <laughs> usually be for a two-on-two game well the last time we played was uh my brother and me against my sister and father and my mother was a referee but she didn't call anything <laughs> and essentially they won because they cheated but uh. my dad got injured on the play so it was kind of funny but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they won't play us again <laughs> i'm sure that might now. get a might get a little bit heated <laughs> absolutely so is it just uh something in the genes or is there something more that makes uh, the nurse family such a athletic family i mean i think there's a little bit in the genes, understanding that we're fortunate, you know, I was blessed with speed. Like, that's what that's my thing. I, I'm fast. Um, my brother works hard. He's the pure work ethic kind of kid. My sister had the pure attitude that she just wanted to be a winner. So I think there's a, a little bit in the genes, but it definitely stems from our parents. Both of our parents are extremely competitive people. They put us into sports, but allowed us to kind of decide which one we wanted to do. So I grew up skating. I played soccer. We did pretty much everything, and they said, you know, if you fall in love with one of them, then you, you, you stick to it, but once you start it, you have to be committed to it. you got to work hard at it, and if you want to be the best at it, then every single day you have to do things within your life on the court and off the court to be that, and I think that's something that they've instilled in us forever. How quickly was uh, basketball the one you fell in love with? Well, I loved soccer. I started soccer when I was three, and that was something that I could pretty much do and then Transway, which is the organization I played for my entire life, they have a house league that starts at four. So I couldn't get into that until I was four years old. And once I got there, I, I fell in love with it. I could make baskets on the six-foot net, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving on to uh, your experience with the national team, tell me about the Pan Am Games in 2015. What was that like? Whew, Pan Ams <laughs> is still one of the highlights of my national team career, absolutely. I think just being there, being able to, to be at home and play in front of my family and friends and my grandparents who had seen me play in a long time was absolutely incredible. And then that final game, that atmosphere um, of just pure Canadian fans was incredible. And now, you know, seeing the rise of basketball in Canada, the great players who are coming out of there, it's just more exciting to see what's up and coming. Tell me, let's talk for a minute about that uh, USA game. You had a uh, terrific 33 points in that one. Did you go in thinking this was going to be that was going to be a game you scored a lot or did it just happen? No, that one definitely just happened because I was dead tired in warm up. I I was sitting on the floor stretching like, "Why am I so tired? I do not understand." So I chugged the Powerade while we were talking about uh our strategy for the game. And then all of a sudden there's all this adrenaline once the ball was tipped. And that was it. 
So I did. I didn't think at all during that game, and I think that's why I scored so much. <laughs> and you actually scored thirty three on two of your UConn teammates. Uh, does that ever get brought up? Not much. I don't. <laughs> they were my seniors back then. Now they're not here anymore, so maybe I could bring it up. Back then they were my seniors, and I, there was no way that I was bringing that one back. <laughs> <laughs> and then you guys won the gold in that game. What was that moment like? I mean, that was just incredible to be able to do that on that stage in front of our fans, in front of our, our families was insane. And I think it capped off. I think well, that was a winning summer. I don't think we lost that summer. So it capped off a, a really good summer for, oh, no, it didn't because we had FIBA's next. But it was a good <laughs> start. And it was a huge confidence boost for us going into that Olympic qualifier. It was something that, you know, we needed, something we understood we could go in and really qualify for Rio a year ahead. And that's what we went and did. And you mentioned the uh, the fan support in the building. What was it like being at home for that? That must have just been incredible. It was crazy. It was so loud that I felt like things were shaking around me. But, you know, you have that sixth man. People say it, but until you're out there on the court and you hear that, you really understand what a sixth man is. And they were incredible. They were loud the entire game. They cheered. They made sure the other team couldn't hear what they were trying to call an offense. And the support and the outpouring of love that we got after the game and just seeing little messages on, on Instagram or Twitter, you know, just saying congratulations or little girls who are now saying that they look up to you, they want to start playing basketball, those things, it doesn't get better than that. And for a country that I love so much and, and a country that I'm so proud to be from, to see that happening was just amazing. What was that like, having, having kids say that you're the role model, you're their hero? It was weird. Uh, it really was because for me, and this, it kind of inspired me to have my major that I am pro- doing right now here at school. I individualized it specifically so that I could be in, it's called sport and media, so I can work with medias in advertising and marketing female athletes. And I think for me growing up, there wasn't a whole lot of female athletes on social media because social media wasn't big back then. And now you can see all the powerful, confident women doing such good things. And I think for me to be a role model in that situation, it was weird for me. But if I can get back to the sport that's given me so much, then I would love to do it. Did you have a role model growing up? My biggest one was my sister. Um, In terms of basketball, my sports role model. And then my mother was my role model in life just because everything – that I needed to do in sports, she would do it in life. I needed to have the confidence, determination, be competitive. She showed me all of that. And then Maya Moore was someone who I watched one. That's when I saw UConn for the first time. I watched one game. Maya Moore was on the team, and she was incredible. And then that was kind of when I said, if I could go to UConn, I'd like that. <laughs> and there you go. You went there. Yeah. Now, uh, tell me a bit about the Olympics last year. It wasn't exactly what the team was hoping for, was it? No, obviously, um, we didn't have the fairy tale ending that we had expected for ourselves and that a lot of people had expected for us. Um, I mean, aside from the basketball, it was an incredible experience. It was something that I would love to do again. And we did have some really good games. We, we showed pretty well. It was just kind of that last game that kind of got us. What was it about, about that tournament that you think kind of held you guys back? I don't know if anything kind of held us back. I think... You know, we played a couple of really, really good games, and we play, we're we playing the best players in the world in the best countries, 
And in that last game, I think we played hard. We played well. I just think shots didn't fall. And, you know, that happened sometimes. We needed to adjust and find other ways to, to score. Does it make you hungry to go back? Absolutely. I think that was one of the biggest things that kind of fueled me coming back to Connecticut, especially because as an Olympic athlete now, I understand that it's not about what you do in the Olympic year. It's about what you do every day in the four years that lead up to the Olympics. So coming back, I understood that this was the first stepping stone. I was coming back into a place where I got to play basketball every single day competitively and work at my game. And it just drives you to want to get back there and want to finish off what we started. So we, we've talked about a few of the different things you've done so far, back-to-back NCAA championships, a gold medal at the Pan Am Games. What do you feel is missing from that? What would you like to add to your basketball resume here? Um, I think as I get older, I'd, oh, I'd love to add more national championships. i got two more chances at them, so I'd love to add more of those. Fair um, enough. Yeah. Then – Obviously, once college kind of ends, I'm hoping to go professional. I'd love to be uh, in the WNBA and, and kind of around here during the summer and also doing national team stuff. And to get back to another Olympics is obviously a big thing for me. I'd love to medal at the Olympics. What do you think? What's what's it going to take? We talked a bit about Team Canada and, and your role there. What's it going to take to get that team to that level? Um, it's going to take a lot of different stuff, I think, to be an Olympic medalist is extremely difficult. It takes uh, commitment and dedication all throughout the year, no matter where you are. And I think that's something that we have. We have every single one on our person on our team is playing overseas right now and continuing to get better. And I think now we're bringing up a younger generation of basketball players. We retired some of our older veterans. So there's going to be a couple new faces and, and hopefully, you know, they can help us out in their own ways and, who knows? It could be a faster game now. And what's it like uh, taking the, taking on a leadership role with that team now that some of the veterans have retired? Well, I'm fortunate that I have to go through this whole leadership thing right now um, as a junior. And since we lost our three big leaders last year, I'm kind of gaining a lot of skills and a lot of insight on how to be a good leader while I'm here. And going back to the national team, the fact that I'm kind of a veteran now, but I'm still 20, is really strange because I'm still the youngest <laughs> on the team. But I'm kind of a veteran at this point. And to to be in that role, to be in a leadership role, is something that I embrace. It's a challenge that I love to be a part of. But I think it'll be really good for us. And as you said, you're playing for one of the, if not the greatest, uh, coaches in women's basketball. What do you take from that to the Canadian national team? I try to take a lot of uh, different things from what we learn here. Obviously, Coach Tomitis and, and Coach Ariana have two different philosophies, and that's how every coach kind of is. Everybody has different viewpoints on things. What I try to take from here is just an understanding of the game, and we run a lot of concepts that are similar to what we run with the national team, so I'm fortunate to kind of get those reps every single day and understanding you know, this is where the pass needs to come from, this is where it needs to get to, and then the mentality side. I've never been pushed beyond my limits as much as I am since I've gotten here. And now I, I feel like there isn't a time in a game when you can ever be tired. There isn't a time in a practice when you can be tired because everything's mental. And I've learned that I can push through walls for hours and trying to take that mentality and that confidence and bring it back. 
And now, uh, of course, the season at hand right now is the the college basketball season. What's going to take to make it a uh, hundred wins? Oof, it's going to take a lot. <laughs> um, obviously, one day at a time. We got to take it one game, one practice at a time, and uh, continue to execute and just make sure that we don't remain stagnant in any kind of way. And understand that every single night, every team comes out giving us their best game. They might not play a good game all year, but they'll play one hell of a game against us every time. So making sure that, you know, we handle that. We handle physicality. We handle pressure. We handle crowds and, you know, get through it together. All right. Well, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. No problem. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was Kia Nurse from Hamilton, Ontario. If you liked what you heard, great. Leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. If you didn't like what you heard, that hurts my feelings a little bit, but I'll get over it. If you'd like to connect with the show, there's a few options. You can send an email to Canada's Court Podcast at gmail.com. You can send me a tweet at Canada's Court, or you can like us on Facebook. The page is called Canada's Court. It's that simple. That's all for this episode of Canada's Court. Thanks for listening. <laughs>